Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Funky Marketing Show. Today, I have the pleasure to host Pragya Mishra from, uh, from Shield. We're going to talk about organic marketing. We're going to talk about LinkedIn, obviously, designing marketing campaigns for word of mouth and what it's like to do marketing for the early stage startups. So I'm playing the intro and then uh, Pragya is joining me and we can go all in about all these topics. Here we are again, uh, Pragya, welcome to the show. Hello. Let's, uh, let's present you for the start. How, how are you presenting yourself these days? <laughs> yeah, I usually start with my name as one would. So hi everybody, I'm Pragya Mishra and thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I think this is gonna be an interesting conversation. As uh, I heard your introductions, of course, uh, as you know, I head the marketing for uh, Shield, which is uh, LinkedIn analytics. Uh, uh, company and uh, what we essentially do is uh, if you're a content creator on LinkedIn you can use Shield to track all your metrics see all your data what's happening what kind of growth are you getting uh, who is your audience and kind of get deeper understanding into your LinkedIn growth uh, with the help of Shield so I try to help uh, spread the word and uh, do some good work over there sounds sounds good uh, and I guess it's not easy I mean uh growing thing organically and on a platform where, I mean, I don't know, you're going to tell me if there are competitors, but at the moment you are the go-to company for analytics related to the LinkedIn and, you know, building stuff and having the feedback from, from each person on LinkedIn, I guess that that's something. Absolutely. No, it, it's not easy also from the sense, uh, but in some way it is easy because uh, when you're working for a startup that uh, we are lucky to have customers who really love us. So it's easy for us to get feedback instantly and feedback of any kind, whether it's a uh, good feedback on what we're doing or things that our customers want us to do more of. So it's, it's good that we keep releasing a lot of new things and get, keep getting feedback from our customers that we can then we're in a position to incorporate it uh, and listen to a lot of people because uh, we are still uh, a pretty small, uh, small team. Yeah, we're going to dive into all of that. But for starters, what I'm interested is how would you define organic marketing today? Yeah, I think uh, it's a term that uh, has uh, evolved quite a lot over the last, um, even in the last one year already in the last, especially in the last three years. And what we're seeing now is um, you need to, you when you as a person or as a company create content, talk about different things, whatever, whether it's your services or it's uh, the industry that you're in, the space that you're occupying, um, your customers, your customers' pain points, solutions that you're providing. When you talk about that from a personal perspective on social media and you're able to kind of get an audience to listen to you and respect your word or have a conversation with you, you organically get to grow. Then you kind of you spread the word, you get more and more people because of the content that you're creating. And that kind of spreads uh, the whole message 
so yeah we are trying to do all of that so it's anything that you, you know when you create content that you don't put an ad money on is essentially um organic yeah yeah i, I agree basically anything can be you know organic organic marketing uh but it's interesting how it is evolving you know it can be just posting it can be community it can be world of mouth uh so so the dark funnel things we don't see so it's Absolutely. developing in a lots of different places at the same time yeah and i think one of the things that uh, with especially with organic marketing is that uh you can try to design how many views how many people will you reach but at the end of the day it's the message that's so important that if your message is authentic and it's relevant for the audience it's only then that it will kind of succeed in getting to more and more people so organic marketing is still very authentic i feel it's still very hard to um, shove it in front of a lot of people's faces unless it really resonates and adds value to them yeah basically we we go back to the beginnings right if you set up the basics right then you are basically equipped to go so knowing your audience knowing who you're talking about and actually having a story and a narrative and a point of view within that narrative right those are some okay. some things that i think necessary for for actually having the chance to uh to build world of mouth absolutely and i think that's where the what you just mentioned that knowing your audience that is such a key component of uh, what we do uh, not just at shield but uh, what we do as a team that uh, every time we are trying to talk to our audience whether it's on linkedin or on twitter or through a message or through an email campaign it, you have to really know who you're talking to why should they listen to you right now why should they listen to you in a particular format in a particular channel and your message has to be designed in a way that isn't is exactly what the customer needs you don't design the message because that's how you want to send it you should design the message based on what your audience wants yeah that that's exactly right and i think we we need to talk about it more and more because even today in 2022 there are still companies that you know they talk about marketing about content about everything inside the company and then don't let the customers decide what's good or bad you know and then not much of it comes out and basically it's where they die at that moment yeah and i think because it's also uh, going back uh, like you said to going back to the basics it's about uh, it's about a conversation it's no longer a one way broadcast where i'm mm -hmm. you're you're a television and you're showing something and people on the other end are watching without interacting so going forward the world will be built of marketing especially will be built on interactive audiences that means your audience interacts with you you interact with your audience so it is not a one way street at all that's why it's so important to know who you do like if you meet someone on the street you're not going to keep talking in a monologue and then say okay i'm leaving <laughs> and it's the same principle that applies yeah I, i always use netflix and airbnb as like the main examples for that because they go halfway to meet the customers they don't wait for wait for customers to come to them and basically the way i see it, they are starting the movement because other brands will also have to embrace it you know because people will not be okay i'm having this experience with netflix and having this experience with airbnb and now i'm going to go back to the experience that i had before which was the bad one and just you know not demand for other brands to have the same experience 
when I uh, am in in contact with them, and basically it moves the whole the whole industry forward. Absolutely, and customers always learn uh, with good experiences and expect the same from everybody else. I think uh, it's uh, it's very hard now. For instance, I live in Denmark, and it's very hard to call up a, um, a public uh, service, whether it's uh, any kind of a government office, and not have a callback option. So if you have a queue, they give you the option to press a button, and then they call you back. So it's something that you expect because that's the norm here. And more and more, the whole idea of waiting on a phone or waiting for one week for someone to respond, all of these are going to become dated as, as each and every week and month and year passes. Exactly, exactly. I, I remember like it was two or three years ago, like I was working in an agency and we were working with a, with a company that sells garage doors. Mm -hmm. And basically the whole, the whole thing that we were doing, it was lead generation. Basically we were providing qualified leads. So the, the only thing that that was from the company to, to do is to call them and to close the deal, basically everything. Cause we had the type of the doors, the color of the doors, uh, where they are all, uh, also, uh, how much money do they have? And what was interesting is that most of most of the leads convert uh, late at night on early in the morning so we we kind of figure out that that's where uh, you know wives are sleeping and men are you know having time to go through th those things and you know if somebody at three in the morning or five in the morning leaves you the phone number to reach out to him, you should do that immediately because <laughs> they are looking out and giving out their phone number so you can call them. And then like it was a week when the week passed and we reach out to the company and say, hey, uh, are the leads good? What's happening? You know, how many of them did you close? They're like, oh, we didn't do anything yet. We thought to wait a little bit uh, and then we'll send them the message, uh, you know, next week. And I was like, you should do that yesterday. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's important to, like you said, it's important to know when the customer is ready to buy something. And uh, and it's also important not to sell at all the touch points. It's so important to know, mm -hmm. uh, to push people down the funnel of educating them, to make them understand, do they even, to, to give them the time to assess if your service is right for them or not. So not all customers are good customers. You need to know when is it when a customer is actually ready to buy your services because there is there is no win here if uh, you sell to a, a customer who's not ready because then it's just going to end up in churn. So that's why it's so important that especially going back to organic uh, content, organic marketing, it's important to talk about the benefits and why is it that a service is good for a customer because then when they understand the benefit and they feel like okay this is really good for me and this is good for me now they will come to you without you having to go to them. Yeah, agreed. So let, let's dive into, into that. Uh, I mean, I'm interesting to see how did you design actually the, uh, you know, the whole strategy for the shield and what are your focuses? Because I see lots of people from the company active on LinkedIn, even on Twitter, like sharing their point of view, sharing some, some things, some of them more personal, some of them related to, uh, to what you guys are doing. So tell me what's the story behind it. So I think it's it's uh, at Shield we are all um, very aligned in the sense of uh, of course it's like a birds of a feather flock together. So we all really believe in the power of uh, organic content on LinkedIn. 
of course it's directly related to the business we are in but apart from that we are all have we are all seeing great benefits uh, from our own personal brands for our own personal brands by posting actively and consistently on linkedin so i started for instance started posting a year back and um, it's just been under a year i went from almost uh, less than 500 connections or something to almost 16000 followers and it's it all adds up not it's not, not just the number of followers because that's just a number that you can make something out of or not but what's important is that you're able to when you have an audience you're, you're able to get your message across you're able to talk to more people you're able to um, make your point heard up in a wider audience and you're more available to people so we're all seeing all of these things and then of course there are the benefits like for instance if i was a nobody on linkedin you would have probably not seen me we would not be having this conversation um i got uh, the got my job at shield because i had all, i was creating content on linkedin even before i joined shield so there is a lot of opportunity for both the person and the company that you rep represent when you create content and we see that live examples of all of us whether it's uh, filippo from our team or if it's uh, andreas who's actually the ceo who's been leading the kind of movement up front so he's been leading it uh, by posting by building his own personal brand and then it trickles down to us where we also see the same benefits um of uh, of of the the entire upside of it and the 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 strategy that we have around that is of course there is we don't have uh, it's not that you know we say that okay now everybody has to post once a day and there is no way around it it's it's a it's more of a mindset that do you we lead by example so when people when new people join the team and they see that okay pragya is posting and there's so much uh, you know up, so so many good things that happen because of it maybe i should try as well so we lead by example we help our team especially when it comes to content so there is always we kind of give them templates that okay uh, we do host small workshops that how can you create better content get them to understand their audience the topics that they would like to talk about and give them the tools to succeed in their own content plan and of course uh, there is uh, we have this kind of a buddy program thing where you can pick somebody that you want to share your content with if you're not sure before you post it and then get some feedback so we have a lot of these small initiatives inside the team that we always try to help newcomers into the team to get on to the posting and uh, creator and creating more content on it no i i love that because we are doing uh, we are educating teams how to use linkedin in their advantage and one i think one reason that can make or break that thing is the leader and his behavior okay. or her behavior is if they lead by example and get into doing that thing the team will follow if they don't get engaged fully in it the team won't do it absolutely and, and it's you know kind of cuz it's is the things that we can all do but i i think related to the team and the way if team is doing it or not it's psychology it's not actually the strategy it's more like psychology because we all have different reasons why we are doing posting or not posting right or we have a different kind of uh, blocks in our head why we you know are not able to do it or no and, and i like what you said that you have this body system and support inside the company so you can share a post with somebody so they can check it out and basically you create kind of the excitement right before they even post because you know i i love the post we work on it together so i'm gonna 
react to it. I'm going to share it with others, those kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I think it's important uh, that there are obviously a lot of reasons. So for instance, when someone starts uh, creating or when someone thinks that they should start creating content on LinkedIn, uh, one of the first thing is that you're always thinking, okay, what should I talk about? So there are some basics that you need to get through and understand that, okay, you can actually, you don't need to be an expert to create content on LinkedIn. No matter what you do, you can actually document your journey of your everyday life. Um, if you, let's say, if you had a big account that you suddenly got into your company, and then you want to talk about what was the process of getting that account, what were the different kind of you know the decision makers that you had to go through, what was your strategy. So even if you list different things of what you do in your work life and document that and share that on LinkedIn, that's already a lot of great value for many people out there. So that's what we try to focus, that we try to create, and this is not just for the people inside Sheet. We try to create a lot of content on our blogs, which is trying to educate everybody who's attempting to be uh, to create content on LinkedIn as to how you can navigate the system, how you can decide the topics that you should talk about, how you should focus on specific audiences and not talk to everybody, and all of these small things. And maybe also there is the aspect of fear that is uh, that is completely, we cannot uh, overrule it. It's the most important, like biggest reason that we hear as to why people don't post is because they, they fear the public opinion or they fear what would their connections think or what would people that they're already connected with, what would they feel about their content? So I think one has to get over that and it only happens naturally and organically. Yeah, that's, that's so true because uh... You know, to be able to actually grow, we need to be comfortable with not every people think the way we think, or, you know, we don't have the same opinion as everybody else have. We need to become comfortable with that. And we do it only when we get, you know, different people, different feedback. And if we got different feedback, it means that we are changing somebody's perspective. Right, because people feel threatened in a way and they, they respond to it. But uh, I want to emphasize one thing that, that I'm hearing. So it all started with Andreas, who had the specific mindset and behavior. And basically, I guess this is what draw what has driven all of you to the company. That's how the team was formed, right? It started with his narrative, with his mindset, and then you all fit into it. Absolutely. No, of course, and it's 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 a privilege almost to have a have a team where the leader is live, living the life in the sense that that Andreas puts himself out there. And I've, I remember back even a year back uh, when he had a much smaller audience, I would see him spend so many hours replying to comments, uh, engaging with everybody, replying to DMs. And he does that even now. So for him, when he posts something, replying to comments is the most important thing. And those are things we see ourselves someone else doing and then seeing the results and that's why when we do them we can also see see the results right away so for instance it's like um, there are days when i don't um, post uh, content but i make sure that i go and engage with others um, go into the comments reply leave something uh, an opinion etc and that really helps because when you're re replying to a comment or when you're commenting on someone else's content you're essentially having a direct conversation with them and that's really the gold mine, as I say, that the gold is in the comments, in the threads. And um, yeah, so it's 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 a pretty straightforward thing that it doesn't matter what 
what's your objective, what industry you work in, or what's what's your role. But um, there is always um, people out there that you could learn from, and that's that's what LinkedIn kind of provides. Yeah, comments are gold. I mean, basically, you can see there if you are going towards the right thing, if your opinion matters or no, if people are excited about the topic, you can find out lots of stuff. And and also like DMs, for me, it's the number one place uh, right now out of all the channels. So LinkedIn DMs where actually the sales is happening. But, but you know, like I'm, I'm mentioning this because there are so many people that have never sent um, at least a, a message to say hello to their connections. Yeah. And there are lots of people who have build, built followers, but they have never got into, you know, interactions with them. And there's a pure gold hidden over there because you're going to get feedback on your content. You're going to find friends. You're going to find clients, all kind of different things. Absolutely. And it's so interesting you say that because um, there is a lot of people who are creating content on LinkedIn and the number keeps growing every day. And yet I still, I mean, if I have to think about myself, it's very rare that I get a connection request and then get a DM, which is like, wow, that was nice. Uh, so it's it's very rare that you get surprising and nice DMs. So it's still uh, a place which is very uh, new in that sense. And uh, where you you can instantly see if the person has been really reading what you're saying and it understands what you're talking about and then genuinely makes an effort to write something. Yeah, I guess we are still, you know, overcoming that that period when lots of there were lots of spammers. Maybe there are today, I don't know, or I cleared uh, yeah. people who are sending me connection requests. But, you know, what I like to do, I like to uh, to not send a message to people I connect with for two weeks or a month. Sometimes it gets even longer, depending on the, the work that I have. And then basically they have a chance to consume the content. I have a chance to consume their content. When I reach out, I just say, hey, I just wanted to say hi, nothing else, you know? And, and then we get into the conversation or we, you know, go in different directions, doesn't matter. But if somebody likes my content in 80% of, or 80% of the people send me a message like, hey, I love your content. Hey, I watched the podcast episode. I watched those kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting to, to know that, but I want to get, get into, into different direction because um, we're talking about LinkedIn because we started with organic because organic is still strong on LinkedIn. We can compare it to TikTok, which is, I think, in a different category. Um, the LinkedIn is a business platform and I think it's focused on, on relationship and making each other better. I mean, that's the whole mission of the, of the LinkedIn and that's why I think they, they keep uh, organic reach uh, going up. But look, like if you if somebody asked me about Shield, I would mention, you know, uh, I know a couple of people who are active from the company. I know what the company does, but I had no idea that you had blog posts over there, right? So you are developing that on the side and it's meant for different things. It, not everything is meant to be shared on one channel. So, uh, you know, to actually build the world of mouth, you need to have different kind of content meant for different channels. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think uh, uh, the, the reason why we create a lot of educational content on our blogs um, is primarily to educate our own customers. So when we send out communication to people saying that, okay, 
you wanted to know uh, why should you invest time on building your personal brand. So here, here are 10 good reasons why you should do that. So our content is designed for anybody. You don't have to be a Shield customer to read our blog, right? You, anybody can go in and read the blog, but it's, it's designed to help anybody who wants to grow on LinkedIn. And um, like you said, that not every channel of communicating with somebody, whether it's uh, LinkedIn or it's like you said, TikTok, or if it's YouTube, you, can, you, you don't have to always talk about the same message in the same way. So you can break your messages into different um, uh, kind of a different, fitted differently to make it relevant for the platform. So for instance, if on LinkedIn, uh, you just keep saying, okay, this is my service, this is what I sell here, click here to go and buy. I mean, I don't think you're, many people will be interested if you keep repeating the same message. But if you say that, okay, this is what I do, and this is these are the problems that I faced, and is there anybody who has a solution for something like this? Or I had this problem, I was trying to build a campaign, it failed in these three points, and these are my learnings. So when you start talking as a professional, sharing your knowledge, sharing things that you know, asking for advice, that's when the real conversations start happening. So. For instance, I think one thing with Shield is that a lot of people share their LinkedIn stats. They say that, okay, in one year, these are the number of views I've got, these are the number of conversation, and this is what I've learned. So when people share that, it's not to say that, oh, look at all the amazing work I'm doing, but they're always sharing it with the perspective of sharing the information that they've acquired in the journey of being a creator. And that's that. those are the interesting things that when we build as marketeers, at Shield, when we build campaigns, we're always trying to tell our customers to share the information that they get in the process of this whole thing of um, creating content and seeing what happens out, uh, at the end of it. And uh, right. that's that's what uh, kind of helps us with our word of mouth. Yeah, I want to emphasize that because like uh, inside Shields, you always have these kind of small messages or encouraging people to do something like share your stats. Like, now is the end of the year it's time to see how has the last year been you know check out your stats and share it with your audience tag us so we can actually comment so we can go and i think those are uh some small things that lots of people are uh, you know underestimating the power of it because basically you are trying to engage people with, with your tool and with the content they can create with a tool absolutely and also it's it's interesting because uh what you can essentially do with Shield is, apart from the fact that you can look at your stats and you can look at your numbers, you can also go back and look at all your old content and say, let me see my the best po the post that got the maximum content. And you can start it by content and then you can assess why is it that that post got so many people to talk to you. So maybe there was something in the call to action in the CTA of your post. Maybe there was something in the hook that you said that got people's attention. So it, it's an easy way for people to repurpose content, etc. And those are the learnings that we see ourselves. And we as um, people who work at Shield also, I also use Shield for my own content, right? So things that I learn, I try to put that into campaigns to teach others uh, who are our customers then that, okay, this is how I'm using Shield and maybe you can use it in the same way. Maybe it uh, helps you as well. Um, I mean, even if in, if I talk about the way we demo future customers, people who are who are interested in Shield, we're always only talking about how we as users use Shield or how um, how it helps us. And that's the easiest way to show someone uh, how to use something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I remember uh, like if if we didn't have Shield, 
uh, back in the days, we started working with a startup. Um, I can shout out to the guys, user guiding. Uh, startup from Turkey, really nice team and everything. And, you know, we did, we called it Funky Marketing, uh, Funky LinkedIn Accelerator, basically. Uh, and, uh, you know, when they started to post, lots of things happened in the first week because they already had built the audience and everything. So, like, uh, I don't know, the CEO got into conversation with a potential investor. Uh, the CEO got into conversation of uh, hosting the workshop for uh, Google Docs team. Like lots of stuff happened in the first week or two. And, uh, you know, besides all those obvious things, when somebody reached out to them, you know, we could have followed the analytics. So, so we can see, aha, uh -huh, this, this post got that much engagement, this post got that much. And when they see it's like five people from the company, it creates the power that they, you know, the trust increases into what you are doing with them. And basically, you know, uh, you get more freedom to try things out, to test things out. And I mean, I think the same way it works if you look at the personal perspective, because, uh, you know, you get more encouraged when you can see that some things that you are doing are working or not working. You need to abort it all. Right. Absolutely. No, and I think what you said, especially when teams use uh, the platform, it's it's so uh, it's so interesting because you can then suddenly see that even if there are three people in your company, let's say, who are really active on LinkedIn, and all, you put all of their stats together, suddenly you see that okay, three people can make a big impact. So, for instance, at Shield, we are a small team, but I think this year alone we've crossed uh, 13 million views uh, uh, with just our content uh, ourselves. That means that that content has been. Um, around and seen by so many people so many people have just seen my name and then seen shield so you're raising instant brand awareness for your brand so that when that customer needs you they at least they know that oh yeah i've heard this name before and it's not a complete new uh new thing that they've never heard before so i think it's it's super um it really helps uh personal brands for a company perspective really help you kind of uh, raise like you said you can raise capital if you're a founder and if you're creating content, you can really raise capital because you can put your content in front of the right VCs, in front of the right people. You can recruit so much better. Like it's so easy for us to recruit at Shield because we know that people have already heard about us. There is so much information. They can go on all of these, uh, our profiles, whether it's mine, Filippo's, Andreas, or Juan, other people in the team, they can see what we are talking about and they get a feel of the culture. And it, it's, it makes it so much easier to recruit really top quality talent um, for us. And of course, you're, it's so much easier to sell, especially the selling bit. There is no, um, there is absolutely no denying that if you have a personal brand and you're talking about, uh, which you're talking about and really nurturing, that there is no idea of a cold email because the first time someone hears your name, it's not going to be the first time. They've already seen you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, we underestimated the power of, of the brand and creating awareness when we are doing sales, where we are doing outreach is basically starting not from, from the minus or from zero is starting from, from the plus. Because when you reach out, they either know the person or they know they know the company. Like I had this, uh, I was a guest on a podcast and the guy told me that when he receives the, the cold outreach email, he looks at the URL. And like, if he sees Drift or Shield, for example, or Funky Marketing, he knows them, he will open it. 
if he sees something else, he won't even look at the at the, the you know at the headline. And it's interesting how 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 things how things work. So so tell me when we are already talking about this stuff, what do you measure when it comes to uh, you know world of mouth marketing, organic marketing, or what do you think it should be measured? I think of course a lot um, the kind of uh, the cornerstone is that you should always measure revenue impact and change in revenue. So uh, because word of mouth is very difficult to attribute per se because you don't know who's seen what content and waited for how long and then come back because they've already heard about you. So of course you have the, the easiest way is to ask a new customer, where did you hear about us? That would be the easiest, most direct way. But um, but I think, yeah, to, to see, every time you launch a new campaign to see that, okay, is there a revenue, direct revenue growth if uh, if you're trying to do something that is uh, to grow your business, new, get new customers. If you're trying to retain customers, then of course you try to, you measure if there is, uh, you, you're able to retain customers if there's more churn, less churn. So I think very easy, it has to be very project specific depending on what kind of campaign are you running? And then of course uh, you measure something that is uh, not just, I mean, I think open rate, click rate, these are great, great things to measure, especially if you, let's say, talk about email marketing, but at the end of the day, people are opening and clicking, but they're not converting as customers. So how good is that? And I'm not saying open rate is nothing, right? It's like saying views are nothing. If nobody is going to open my email, nothing is going to happen after that. So of course there has to be a benchmark that you say, in my campaign, I'm sending out these many emails. There has to be an open rate of X, but that's not what you should be awarded for. <laughs> so that's the only thing I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I agree. I I was uh, you know I abandoned my uh, email list for for two months or something like that. I think uh, I feel bad about it. But yesterday I sent an email. Uh, I said okay, sorry for that. I'll be back and. Uh, I'm going to try to give you, you know, an overview of the podcast episode and what's the value in it and, you know, kind of give you the unique perspective of why we are doing what we are doing. And, you know, lots of people opened email, but only two clicked. And I'm like, okay, let's try a couple of more times. And then if it's not happening, let's figure out what we're going to do. Because, you know, I need to see if those people are actually the right audience that wants to listen to the podcast or something like that, or they just want to consume the content or to get more educated. But, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you need to set up also the deadline till uh, which date you're going to educate them. Because, you know, maybe they are just not the right fit and you need to eliminate a couple of them. Like lots of stuff. To, to discuss over there. And I think this is where uh, it's so important that you know um, the art of storytelling, which is also important for creating content from, let's say, a person profile on a LinkedIn, is also equally applicable for, let's say, creating an email campaign. That if you are not mm -hmm. able to tell a story in a way that someone wants to read that email, then people are not going to read it first. Second, they're not going to click all of these links. So there is, you cannot stuff links there and say, okay, here are the 30 links, places where you can find us, click, click, click. Obviously not. Uh, what I try to do is, I always try to ask myself, will I open this email and will I wanna click? What is it that I can say? How can I word my sentence? And mm -hmm. in, in the least possible words that create the most impact. 
So for me, it's very important that when 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 we work on email campaigns at Shield, that it's it's an email that I want to read to start with, and then only my customers would want to read them. So um, the storytelling and especially the copywriting part of an email is uh, so critical that I feel like sometimes people are just not, uh, they're still uh, sending out campaigns with the hope I find you well and with like Mm -hmm. the first five lines with completely no uh, information and then somewhere at the bottom, nobody's going to scroll on that. If your email is not fitting in the size of a phone, forget about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends. Uh, I have seen, uh, you know, different lengths working differently coming from performance marketing. Uh, like, um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, if you look at the, you know, click funnel guys and everything, like when I started uh, learning more about email marketing, I got into that. And then, like, I was the director of operations at the company, but I was still learning about email marketing. So, the CEO Dimitria told me, like, let's use this from a from a book. I don't know which one of the ClickFunnels books it was, but it was a great book, and it has you know all what you put in the PS, how you structure and everything. And I wrote it, and he said, it's too long for Serbian market. You know, it works in the US, in Serbia it won't work, and, and other stuff. You know, because he is sending a bunch of emails, and he knows the audience better. And it's kind of, you know, also, do you know your audience? Absolutely. What do you know that, that works for them? Those kind of stuff. And then it's just like, does the headline make somebody open the email? Does the, the copy leads to them clicking the CTA? Does the name of the CTA is the right way for them to click? And, and on and on. And it's just, what's the next thing? And it's just like marketing and selling. I like to do that. That's why I call it like relationship-centric marketing. Because it's basically creating relationship in each step of the way and making them do just enough to get to the next step. And I completely agree with you. You said that, especially about the length of the email. So, for instance, we had this uh, e- campaign that we did where we you would have seen uh, a lot of screen people sharing uh, the emails that we sent to some of our customers, per super personalized emails, uh, uh, recapping on their behalf their one year on LinkedIn 2021. Mm-hmm. And these emails took a lot of time and they were long emails, but it was told, the story was told in such a way and it was so personalized. It was saying that, okay, Pragya, you got these many views. This is how you started. When you started the year, you had these many followers. At the end, you actually got to this much. These are the num- kind of posts you made. These are the number of times you posted. And this is the frequency you posted at. So it kind of gave me an overview of my entire year without me having to go into Shield or look at anything just with an email. So despite the fact that it was long, it it was it kept building the excitement for that person to keep reading that email and we got a lot of praise for that um, i think it is because you have to understand one who you're talking to always and what is it that you're trying to communicate with them so uh, short emails are good for certain kind of campaigns yeah. but then maybe there is another kind of campaign where you have to do a long email because people want to read more about what you're saying so 100% aligned with you on that yeah, I mean, there are lots of situations we can go into into all kind of uh, things related to that topic. I mean, also what, I, what so many companies miss is like having the couple of introduction emails when they subscribe to your newsletter because people just add them to the stream and they go, go with the new ones, you know. But what about the basics? Who are you? I just subscribe because I like one document or I have read one article or something like that. But I want to say, you know, I got once into the situation where I didn't know if people find value in our emails, in our newsletter, because it was going back and forth. We were experimenting a lot. Like we had 
Martin and Linda writing the email. One is Linda is writing one week, Martin another one, and then they took over their story. Like Linda is taking over Martin's story and continuing in the next newsletter. Those kind of stuff, and you can see the different vibes in the email and those kind of stuff. And like, uh, I just asked the people at one moment, "Hey guys, do you actually find value in this? This is the email. Just you know, respond to this." Semi and I I receive response like. I don't want ever to stop receiving this email. And I was like, okay, that's the only thing that I needed, basically. No, and it's absolutely good. What you're saying is right. That sometimes when, as marketers, we are building a campaign, we are so into that that we are not able to get out of it and have like an overview and kind of see that okay, is this really adding value to the customer or to the person that I'm talking to, or is it just adding value in my head? So it's important to be objective, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate. That over my in my time here at Shield, I really learn it almost every single time we have a big campaign. Uh, that I've learned from Andreas is to be able to kill our darlings. We say that mm -hmm. no matter how much you worked on something, if you realize at a point that okay, this is not what is needed, you you should be able to kill your whether it's a part of the project or worst case scenario, even a full project. That there are times when you have to say okay, this is it. This is not working, or this is not going to see the light of the day. So it's important to stay objective and not just get so deep into. The, uh, into a project that you're not able to see if it's really making any sense to the audience or yeah, to the business. Totally agree. So I, I have a question that I want to ask you about the channel that we didn't talk about, and it's also related to uh, to organic. It's YouTube. I know you are started to build the momentum over there, and uh, like we are right now started to think about building a momentum because like we have 400 videos and not many views or subscribers because we didn't think about it as growing it. So now I'm like, ah, oh, what's wrong with this? Let's analyze all the stuff and, you know, get all into the YouTube SEO, those kind of stuff. But I want to ask you, uh, you know, how are you thinking about YouTube and uh, what are you using that channel for? So right now, I think it's a uh, very nascent. It's just recently that we've kind of like started with uh, YouTube. So it's a part of something that you will see a lot more from Shield already starting end of quarter, quarter two, already you will start seeing a lot more video content from us because that's a big focus for me this year. And um, yeah, what's interesting about, and especially YouTube is such a powerful place to get audience. It's where I consume most of my content. If I wanna learn something, the first place you go to is on YouTube and you actually type what you wanna learn and then you find the relevant content. So any kind of educational content that we're doing on a blog, in some way really needs to exist on YouTube today. Yeah. And uh, that's what we are going to be working towards. Um, that, for instance, even in our um, end of year uh, stats campaign, there was a video that we made, which was a super YouTuber style that, oh my God, with the signs coming in and all of that. And I think it's fun because uh, you're able to uh, put a face to a company. You're able to tell a story through the medium of video where the person can just sit down and listen and watch and read instead of having to actually read a whole blog, etc. It's a different way of consuming content, which is the primary way people are consuming content today. So th there is no way, especially in this uh, in industry, that people can leave YouTube and say that it's not a relevant channel or if it's for certain industries and not applicable for certain others. That's just not true anymore. So yeah, we are we are going to do a lot of more educational content on YouTube. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. I think we are on the same we are on the same mission, and you know I had Mike Vinette here a couple of episodes uh, ago, and 
for those who don't know, he was uh, one of the guys that get that got the huge uh, exposure on LinkedIn, but got banned. Now he's on Twitter, he's on uh, YouTube and other channels. And I asked him, you know, where did his revenue come when he didn't have LinkedIn? And he said, it's YouTube. It's uh, the content that he was creating over there. The two videos uh, got him all the revenue uh, in the last two years. And that's how powerful it can be. One video can actually get you customers for forever. Absolutely. There is no, there is no end. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is I didn't think about those things at all. I mean, I know it obviously, but I needed to, to get uh, somebody to, you know, kind of look at our channel and tell me, why are you not doing this? Why are you just like I'm doing with a, with a client? Mm. And that's a realize, aha, uh-huh, you know, there are some tools that we can use to increase it. There are some tools that we can use to see, you know, how many people are looking for this on Google, how many people are looking for this on YouTube, because now YouTube becomes uh, the search engines that can make you be more visible on Google as well, because it appears on Google. No, absolutely. And I think it's exactly what you said, that it's 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 the distribution channel that is so critical going it's already been important for a while and um, it's just going to keep becoming more and more important and it's it is how people are learning things today uh, therefore yeah. we all have to do better on on youtube <laughs> starting with me <laughs> but uh, exactly that's what we want but that that's what we're going to do this year yeah it's it's interesting i mean um i so always recording videos, for example, for LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, wherever. Everything that I put out on LinkedIn, I put also on YouTube. But I, I didn't think about the search engines and the way you know each channel is different. You know, when we say it, okay, but sometimes we forget about it. And uh, you know, there there was one two months I think in 2018 or something like that. When I recorded 60 videos, uh, 10-minute videos in two months, in a little bit more than two months, because like a couple of days I took a break. Uh, but you know, it's interesting when you uh, persistently create content. You see how the views are going up or down, how the reach is performing. You know, those kind of stuff. And I think going back to organic marketing, I think we need to persistently create content and do things for at least like three months to see if it's really giving results or no. So the long-term mindset. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, organic is not a short term. You can't just say that, okay, I'm, I'm going to make one post on LinkedIn. I'm going to make one post on Twitter. One, I'm going to write a tweet. No, nothing and happened. Why? One, and then suddenly, you know, I'm going to see a hundred customers coming in because of that. That is not at all the way to approach it. Organic is obviously across the distribution, whether you're talking about LinkedIn or you're talking about YouTube, you have to be persistent and you have to be consistent. So it's a long-term play that you should plan for. You should have your strategy. You should know the roadblocks that you should expect in content creation because it's not possible that you will keep creating content without any problems. There will be a time when you will be like, okay, I don't know what to talk about or write about or you know tweet about anymore so you need to buffer for those and then of course you need to persist i would say that uh, at least six months of uh, consistent content creation is the least you need to be able to see results yeah so, so tell me talking about these things i know how it is hard to do marketing in an early stage startup 
because uh, you know you have lots of, especially you know uh if there are investors involved because you need to be long, long term and you know short term you need to show results as well and it's basically i like to say you are like crucified because you <laughs> need to be on the both side uh, so tell me what was the hardest thing for you when it comes to leading marketing for shield as an early stage data so of course the first the easiest thing for us is that we are bootstrapped so we don't have any investors so please uh, andreas needs to like what i'm doing and that's about that's about it <laughs> but what is also super nice is because all of us are so involved uh, with the work that we're doing that we just want to be we, there's many times you want to be perfect but that's the beauty of working for a startup that you don't have to be perfect you can mm -hmm. test you can release things you can take back things you can edit iterate but of course at all points of time you need to kind of know how is it that you want to show up in front of customers and i have kind of become a little bit like i feel sometimes like a guard the brand guard that uh, if i don't feel this is the right quality the shield quality then i don't want to release something so there is a little bit of tussle in that, but uh, it, it's just such a blast working for an early stage startup where everybody's as passionate passionate about what we're doing. And there's so much learning every single day, every single campaign that we do, we learn something that we can actively incorporate in the next campaign that we build. And we can see direct results of uh, things that we do. For instance, even if it was the end of year campaign that, that we did last uh, in December and January, you could instantly see people talking about it on LinkedIn and tagging you and saying, oh, I got this email from Andreas and it was so good. And you can see the results. You can see it not just in in word of mouth, you can also see it in revenue. So it's very gratifying to know that what you spend your time on is impacting the life of a company and that is the beauty of working in an early stage startup that uh, there is a lot of hard work there's a lot of blood and sweat but uh, you can see the results uh, for yourself every single day yeah and i guess you know like one thing that i that i also got out of it is learning so much like uh you know in a year you wouldn't know this but you are becoming a completely another professional you know Absolutely. with the skills that you didn't even know that you got from it no no and i just uh, this is something that actually we were because i just uh, it, it was um well, i completed a year at shield just a few months back and mm, uh, i was talking to andres and he's like you've changed so much in one year <laughs> and uh, i have been working for many years before i started working at shield so i've been working for 10 plus years in big corporates uh, big super big companies i had never worked for a, such a small startup and uh, it, it's only recently that i started this so it was it's mind-blowing the amount of learning that you get in a short short amount of time so of course to anybody out there who's in marketing who wants to learn a lot a bit painfully because sometimes it can be too many things but if you're ready for that then yeah then uh, startups is the place to be yeah i agree i recommend to people going uh, when they start their career in the early stage startup or maybe maybe in an agency just so they can work lots of different stuff at the same time and learn from many different examples like in startups it's you know it's uh in in agencies there are different clients uh different industries in startups it's you know everybody needs to do let's say everything but yeah. a, a, a bit of everything so yeah, so you learn. i mean there are times when i'm vacuuming the office so right from that to it's your in some way it's a part of something that you're contributing to building so you have to own it uh, through and through so uh, absolutely 
Yeah, so, so tell me two things. What's next for you and what's next for SHIELD? I think uh, there's a lot of, actually, this is going to be a very uh, exciting year for SHIELD because there's a lot of, uh, we're working on uh, a lot of interesting things that our customers will be able to see um, very soon. I cannot, of course, uh, talk about exactly what, but uh, you will see a lot of interesting um, community related content coming in from shield you we are working on a lot of interesting partnerships we are working on a, some really good educational content you will see more of us on video in youtube and of course you will always find us on linkedin so there's a lot of exciting things uh, coming up uh, uh, at shield and uh, for me i think uh, yeah doing all of managing all of these balls at shield and kind of uh, pushing uh, knowing learning more and talking to more people is uh, yeah is what's ahead yeah, sounds good. So, uh, and two things. Uh, first one is, uh, what is something, is there something that we didn't mention that you wanted to say or some message for the end? And second one is, where can people find you, learn more about you, about Shield and all the stuff that you are doing? So, of course, the, where can you find me? You can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm literally 24-7 always on LinkedIn. <laughs> so just uh, find me on LinkedIn. It's obviously Pragya Mishra there. And uh, when you find me, you will find Shield as well because you will see a lot of what I talk about uh, is directly related to Shield as well. And uh, maybe one more thing, like I said, is that uh, we don't um, uh, publish, uh, talk a lot about our blogs. It's a great place. Uh, if you go to the shieldapp.ai and you go to the blog section, it's a great place to find education content. And if you find, uh, uh, go to our interview section, it's a great place where we tell stories about people who've done some amazing things, uh, content creators who've built uh, legacies on LinkedIn by creating content. So if you're looking for inspiration, those are the two places I would recommend. Sounds good. That's uh, that sounds good. Uh, I need to visit the place to see is there somebody that I don't know that have done some great stuff. That's that's actually a good CTA. Amazing. Cool. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time to do it. Uh, I know that you are just getting back to the full strength related to your health. Um, but, uh, you know, Thank you for doing this. Uh, guys, uh, I recommend you go to the beginning of the episode as always and, you know, uh, go through everything that we just talked about. There are lots of lots of stuff. We are going back and forth with different stuff. I'm sure that you will find things that can help you actually grow. Either it's your startup, your company or your personal profile organically and create the world of mouth. Um, and for the end, uh, as we always say, just Keep it funky until the next episode. Bye-bye.